But it's mad now, isn't it? Now I'm just thinking, hmm, what if this whole world of possibilities has opened up to me? I'm thinking, hmm, is Pochettino accurate? I mean, he did continue to pick Deli Alley two years after he was a footballer. I don't know. See, this is what I mean is how quickly we can turn to smug in a two-paragraph statement, turn to smug again. Is Unai Emery or Thomas Frank good enough for us? <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. It's on me. That on me. This is on me. The fucking joke's on the rest of us though, isn't it? I mean, how many times can someone say it's on me? How many times can someone explicitly say they are at fault before they actually start getting blamed? <laughs> you wanna know what the worst thing about all this is? And how often have I started a podcast saying, do you want to know what the worst thing about all this is? <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. It's been going on for at least 11 months. But the worst thing is, is that Villa fans are the ones who have been made out to be the fools. They, they, they're the ones who have been made out to be too demanding, having too much expectation, being spoiled, basically, having notions, like we'd say here in Ireland. They've been told they, they have a bit of patience, you know, a bit of cop on, really, know, know your place in the world, gave them time. They've been told this by clowns. They've been told this by like, compromised Englishmen who, for some reason, think they're going to be friends with Steven Gerrard if they say something nice about him in any of these shows. These mainstream shows. Told this, like, people who think, people who think like Gerrard, you know, people who think that the key attribute to winning football matches is just having the balls, they face the criticism, and then carry on. You know, like th- th- these are the sort of people who have been the loudest voices in all this, and Villa fans have just been pushed to the corner there and said, "Do you realize how lucky you are to have someone like Steven Gerrard at the helm? Have a name like that associated with your club, associated with Aston Villa? You know, people, people who haven't had to watch this shite, they haven't watched Villa. We have, and this is the thing. I was so ready, like I'm so ready for." Steven Gerrard to be a success. Go, go back, go back to the start. Listen, listen to how giddy we are. Listen to us, us looking at his record in Scotland. Like you know, want it more than anything for this con to work out. You know, like it doesn't. Go back to any of the good performances. It doesn't take us long to start <laughs> laughing at all their teams and just saying like how useless they are and how how uh, their team isn't as well coached as our team. You go back to any of these little shoots of glory, we will jump on that bandwagon and help push it forward. You know, like it, it doesn't it doesn't take me much to blow me load. Like anybody would tell you that. But it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't I, I'm not asking for much is the point here. And we're not getting fuck all. This is two two wins now in fifteen games. Like we can go through the record any which way, we can chop it up any which way. I'm I'm so angry now at how we've been perceived throughout all this. I know I've got some Liverpool fans as well in my in my group that might have just thought I was trigger happy, rash, you know, just just trying to annoy them every time I was kicking out about Gerard. Like, I wasn't I wasn't just doing that for for my health or for their health. I was doing it because what I saw in front of me, week in, week out, week in, week out, was getting worse, and it wasn't even good to start with. You you started off so well there. How many times? Can he take the blame before he starts getting blamed? It's such a good question. I mean, Steven Gerrard has been found out. I mean, he, he's tired on himself, you're right. He tosts on himself every week with his <laughs> interviews. 
He tells us he's shite every week, but nobody's listening. It's like it's like he wants to be caught. He's, he's leaving massive clues. He's gotten to the stage where he's cut off his hand and left it at the scene because nobody was picking up on the fucking fingerprints that are all over this shit show. I'd say he's at the point now where he's where he's leading the investigation. I'd say his wife came home from work one evening and walked into the living room and just gasped. You know, every surface, the walls, the floor, just covered in files. <laughs> Newspaper clippings on the wall. A massive map of Villa Park. Red strings linking the evidence together. A fucking intricate web of motives. We beat Liverpool 7-2. Timelines. Every day of the fucking week since the 11th of November. <laughs> Opportunity. Christian Perslow. The SPL. Neil Lennon. He's... he's He's got a section. He's got a section that's the that's the chief suspects lined up. A who's who of football and fools: McGinn, Bailey, Louise. But everything's pointing in the one direction. Just imagine the camera now in Gerard's eyes, and he's scanning the board, supping a coffee, a montage of quotes going through his head, but a bit of reverb on them. And you know, moment the magic. If we, if we if we had have taken one of our chances, we'd have won. I, I, I've demanded more from the players, and then it stops. He drops his cup. His fucking eyes focus. Yeah, of course. And he gets the big fucking red marker out and draws a circle around a picture of his own fucking face. I've got you now, you cunt. <laughs> yeah, well, at the time of recording, uh, there's been no movement at the minute. Stephen Jarrett has done a, a press conference. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I mean, the chance were coming from the home fans and the away fans. You're, you're being sacked in the morning. What would you have to wait until the morning for? <laughs> what would you possibly be mulling over tonight? Like, how, how would you have to sleep on this decision? Like, what more evidence do you need? What are you going to find out between now and the morning that you wouldn't find out by looking at the last thirty-eight games? I mean, like, we're at a situation now. It was almost. It it, it has been very embarrassing, actually. I think the Michael Beale saga for Stephen Gerrard. We, this is a guy who. Four months ago was Stephen Gerrard's right-hand man. And now he's turning down a job higher up the Premier League at the club <laughs> that are further down the road. I mean, we always heard that Michael Beale was the brains of the operation. And you and I both laughed at that because, you know, he didn't do much for us when he was here. But my God, it, it really it really doesn't look good for Gerrard that that was the case now. That suddenly a guy who he had in, a guy who we had... Emmy Martinez shout out for the Fozcast, talking on the Fozcast about about how often Michael Beale did all the talking. And suddenly he's been offered a job, a a bigger job at the minute, that like where both teams are. Like that that's a weird look for the manager. The current manager of Aston Villa. Yeah. I, I, I can I can only apologize to Beale. I mean when when people were suggesting he would be a big loss, I was asking, what the fuck are they talking about? We were shite before he left. It's irrelevant. And I was right. It, it, it was irrelevant. But that wasn't Beale's fault. How bad is Steven Gerrard that with Beale we were no better? How bad is Gerrard that he must have been actively dismissing Beale? <laughs> so, so it's, it's, it's not like... It's not like he. It's not like he couldn't get the best out of him and get the best of these players. He must have been saying to Bill, "No, you're wrong." He must have been rejected because there's been no change. Why was he employing him? Why were we giving Bill money? Gerard couldn't have been listening to anything that he was saying. 
I love this now because I have the image of you at the whiteboard and you've now drawn the red circle around Gerard. You've rewritten off <laughs> you've written off Beale as the one to blame and you realise that it all points to the one direction. Yeah, I, I actually think tonight as well, though Connor was a was a really opposite team for us to be playing because think about how Fulham were playing. They were they were moving the ball with so much confidence. They were picking out their men. They were picking out passes. Imagine that. They, they were getting men and the ball into good positions. Imagine that. Like looking at where they could where we could be hurt and going after that. Imagine that. And and they're being managed by a manager with a good reputation, but who has never had a job for more than fucking six weeks. And yet as he was hopping around those clubs, he's made such an impact that he's built up a solid reputation, a solid career, because you can you can always tell if a manager is good. You, you can see it, you can feel it. You don't need a year. But we've been given that, so let's fucking use it. Jared's overseen 38 league games. He's picked up 44 points. Jeez. Smith's last 38 games, he picked up 46. But it's it's so much worse than that. Jared's picked up four wins and 18 points in his last 22 games. Smith got four, 24 points in his last 22. And the reason I'm saying this, this isn't a, this isn't a defence of Smith. Personal told us the continuous improvement had stopped. But by a point in Gerrard, he's not only not restarted that cycle, we've gotten worse. So let's just fucking get on with it. Steven Gerrard isn't going to improve this football club. Steven Gerrard couldn't improve his fucking spelling. He's a clown. And the joke's over. And like all clowning, the joke was never fucking funny. Yeah, we said after the Fulham game, very short press conference, he said, it's tough, but I'm a man. <laughs> so here we go. Yeah. Do you know when you listen to some of these managers? I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not, I'm not one of these nerds either who just needs someone to give me a bit of football tactics speak and I'll just swallow it whole as well. Like I, can, I can decipher when someone's talking sense or they're enlightening me in some shape or form. And I know as well that managers don't always want to give stuff away. But I also know that most managers know that they're not giving anything away because good managers watch each other's teams and they all know how each other plays. <laughs> Jared moves on. I accept it. Yeah, of course. I understand it. He does. It's like, what, what, what? And this is the sort of stuff he'll be praised for tomorrow. I quite like how he came out and he fronted up. He took it in the chin. Um, it was a tough night for me personally. We'll see what happens. I understand the situation we're in. I'm a fighter. I will never quit anything ever. Quitting is not my DNA. I understand the situation. The performance was miles away from how we looked at the weekend. <laughs> performance was miles away from when we made Kepa make two good saves, like really good saves in fairness. Um, <laughs> the reality is that it's not good enough for this football club. Um, on the Aston Villa fans, I share their frustrations and pain and I'm someone who's honest. Yeah, we know that. I know <laughs> they're certainly not enjoying it at the moment. I'm certainly not. So we'll see what happens. You know, and I know, I'm in a very difficult position right now. I mean, that sounds like somebody who wants to be put out of their misery, right? And I don't even think it's somebody holding out for a paycheck. Like, like say, Brendan Rodgers, I think. Gerard's ego would be too big to just, like, talking there, but he never quits, he'll never, ever quit. I think he, he probably has a foot out the door, and he's probably had it, if we're being honest, for a few weeks anyway, especially considering his relationship growing frostier with the Aston Villa fans like it's probably been a part of him that's been thinking fuck you lot like you know I, even if I start succeeding now I'm making you happy I'd say there's a bit of that going on now I'm completely just psychoanalyzing him here now you know from very limited evidence but the evidence that I see on the pitch is a team 
who are, I said already, they're getting worse, and a manager who's just not doing anything to intervene, whether that's by design, you know, whether he just you know doesn't want to do it, but I, I suspect that he doesn't know how to do it. Ah, yeah. I mean, if he's hanging on and it's, his ego is too big to go, but also his bank balance is too big to to make him hang around for a fucking a big payout. It's like Stephen Gerrard is, could easily just walk away, so I don't know what he's playing at. And I'd say a large part of the problem is that he knows that this team and this squad, like he's not that stupid, he knows that this team has got two options with the, the ability in this team. He needs to be finishing either ninth to 13th playing brilliant, accelerating football, or it needs to be finishing seventh playing this football. I mean, I say this football as if we're playing a particular way. Mm-hmm. What if, if Moyes or Dice got the job for me to be able to tolerate their style? I mean, I say style as if there's a particular style they have, yeah. but me to be able to yeah. tolerate it. We would need to be finishing seventh or really aggressively challenging for it. You can't. You cannot be in the relegation zone with this team playing this type of football. It's fucking unforgivable. All right, let's take a breather and then we'll actually talk about what unfolded at Craven Cottage tonight. See you in a second. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So the first goal came in the 35th minute, and... I think the important thing to remember here is this was after 35 minutes of a fucking pummeling. Like, imagine a cartoon a cartoon character just being hammered into the ground and the ground's getting deeper as the mallet is just pushing them further and further into the earth. That's what was happening. I text somebody after 20 minutes. It was nil-nil. I just text him with, like, a laughter emoji saying, are you watching this? This is pathetic. <laughs> and, and, of course, the goal came. It came from Harrison Reed. Emmy Martinez punches it away from from Mitrovic. He gets a good glove on it, and yeah, I'm I'm wondering, you know, does he need to punch it? But it is Mitrovic, and we know what this stays now. That Kanza is afraid to go up with Mitrovic, so he keeps just stepping away from him every time Mitrovic goes into the air. Um, everyone's slow to go out it. I mean, this is the sort of thing a manager could point to, but once you're seeing this happening every week, then like like you say, you turn that finger around and start realizing you're not getting these boys to react quicker or to be set up in a better way. Bednarak finally gets out deflection. The worst thing about this goal, there I go again, the worst thing about this 
is that it's just there's no surprise on John McGinn's face if you see the replay afterwards. It's complete inevitability and not shell shocked in any way. Just like oh right, yeah, it took him thirty five minutes to score this time. It was like that's what was going through his head, just computing how long it took them. Not that that was going to affect what they were going to do now afterwards. Yeah, and you've got it spot on there. I mean, I could go through this goal touch by touch, cock up by cock up, cock up like I normally do. But yeah, this goal comes from the malaise that has set in around the club. The, the corner is good. The punch is fine. The attempt to block is okay from Bednarak. The rest of them should have got out quicker. But the corner comes from incessant pressure being met by a fucking wall of jelly. And they were always going to get through. Like, it, it, it doesn't really matter now. <laughs> like the, the, the annoying thing the annoying thing isn't how it came. It's the fact that it was going to come. The inevitability of it is the most irritating thing. Like Imagine sitting back waiting for Fulham to score. Yeah. Expecting it. I, I left my mate to go to a shit work event on his own. Because I had to come home and wait for the Fulham goal to come. <laughs> um, and then the, we get to the hour mark. And again, an hour of a hammering session from Fulham looking by far the better team. And this is, I was getting angry watching this match now when I saw Douglas Louise getting sent off and I saw a penalty that we'll talk about. And I just started, you know, my back's already up about these post-match Aston Villa Twitter account interviews with Stephen Gerrard and I could just imagine the apologies they were making for him on his behalf before he even had to do it himself and I can imagine the softball interviews haven't gotten anything just yet but this Douglas O'Ree thing would be uh, the one that they would focus on they would spend a minute and a half of a two minute interview talking about that and how unlucky they were in the handball and then it would be looking forward to the Brentford game um, anyway look I'm getting annoyed and the interview hasn't even happened but the Douglas Louise sending off was harsh. Uh, it was very weird. Um, I mean, like we're outplayed again in the move, so that's that's pretty fitting. Um, Mings gets a yellow card. He seems upset that he got a yellow card, which is ridiculous. Um, Douglas Louise is sort of just minding his own business again, though. He's running back into play. And Mitrovic comes over, gives him a big chest, and Douglas Louise gives him a chest back. But this time, Mitrovic seems to be ducking slightly a little bit lower. They're... I don't know, like their, their forehead, like Douglas Ruiz's forehead, obviously, does that caress Mitrovic's chin here? I don't know. And he goes down like a sack of spuds. And it's very, very disappointing for Mitrovic, I would say, because, you know, I respect him. I really respect him as a player. Every time he plays against Ireland, every time he plays against Fulham, he's just a fucking handful. He's so meaty in a really good way like he just looks like a man like playing against children all the time and ah, I was a bit disappointed to see him going down like that I thought he was thought he was harder than that yeah Douglas Louise did this last week as well and I think yeah. I said it's it's one of those where if he gets sent off I'd be annoyed at Louise the forest player and the ref mm. I, I was wrong because Look, I'm perpetually annoyed at Louise. I mean, if he was mine, I'd say every time I come home from work, he'd be looking up at me with his head tilted down, ashamed. And I'd just be looking around like, what have you done this time? What part of the floor have you shot on? Where's the piss? Whose shoes have you destroyed? I'm, w- I'm well used to Doggy being a bad boy and a bit daft. But I'm I'm w- more annoyed at the ref than I thought I could ever possibly be. I mean, how has he fallen for that? How has he fallen for the fact that Mitrovic is taller than Douglas Louise? 
They're yeah. both just banging chest. They both put their heads in. But Douglas Louise's head touch off Mitrovic's face. And Mitrovic dies because that's what footballers do. They're all fucking taught this. It's, they're exonerated from every, every time there's a game of football because they're told they're being clever. They're told they're being smart. People are going to focus on Douglas Louise being an idiot, even though there's no need to focus on that because that's what he is. That is his entire being. So we don't need to focus on that. We need to focus on is the fact that the ref is a moron <laughs> and Mitrovic is a cheating prick. <laughs> the second goal then came not long after that. It was a handball from Matt Cash. Michael Oliver, the same referee who didn't give a handball against Gabriel for uh, <laughs> like just a week and a half ago. Um, yeah, very weird. We can talk about arm being on natural positions when you're sliding to block a ball. I don't know where else your hand's going to go, really. Like the commentator said, it was a yard away. He was defending the cash. I don't even know if it was a yard away by the time Mitrovic kicks it and follows through into his hand. Um, Martinez should save it and then probably just sums up Martinez at the minute. Like he, he lets it get away from him. Kanza looked very upset that Martinez didn't keep it. Out. Yeah, I haven't been this annoyed at Matty Cash's hand since he ran 70 yards across the pitch to take a short throw in. <laughs> But I would understand, whenever I first saw it, I thought it was his hand that was, I thought it was his right hand, which was way out past his body and he extended fully. His left hand is almost at his face when it hits it. I mean, it's, is that an unnatural position? I mean, I think it's fine the way he's throwing his body. I think it's fine because somebody's about to smash the ball. You might put your hand up at your face and it clips off his hand, but the shot's going fucking nowhere. It's, I'm not really sure why Matty Cash is diving in. Mitrovic is going to try and spank this from the byline. Let him spank it. Well, don't let him spank it, but just stand up. But it's it's an absolutely dreadful decision from Austin McPhee. I mean, why has he subbed on a hologram for a penalty? It's absolute madness. The centre forward is already at a distinct advantage. He's got a free fucking shot at goals from 12 yards out. The frame of the goal is eight yards wide and eight foot high. He'll probably score. You don't need to remove the goalkeeper. You nearly think he's fucking Gerard out. <laughs> and then the third goal. I don't even remember the third goal, really, to be honest. I just, you know, we were being caught open. Like we were being caught open when we had 11 men. You know, Fulham just running through, breezing through that same midfield three that we have to watch seemingly forever now. <laughs> Um, having men over and it comes down to the left and yeah, the, the ball's drilled across and Mings turns it in just completed the set really sending half a penalty and, a, and an OG yeah the commentator on the stream that I was watching announces that I don't think there's much Sir Mings can do about that excuse me <laughs> <laughs> well he could have not kicked the ball into his own net for a start he, he could have he shuffled his feet he could have looked over his shoulder to decide if he needs to try and take a touch. He could have looked like he cared. Like he, he wasn't he wasn't moving or reacting like someone who thought not conceding was that important. It didn't certainly look like he was moving or reacting as much as I cared about not conceding. He looked like he'd given up like way more than the inevitability that went across McGinn's face. I thought, Jesus Christ, Jerome, you're still playing a game of football here. What the fuck are you playing at? <laughs> <laughs> alright and that was it 3-0 we never got a response we had a couple of chances half chances but you'll be in no shock when I tell you that Fulham had way more chances than we did and we'll talk about that later but first we're going to go to WhatsApp Jesus. let's start with three fines being handed out this week all 
for the same thing people find and touch this used to be a finding system exclusively for tyrone mings but um it turns out everybody's getting in on the act now it started off with john mcginn on like this is after six minutes in the first half it, it took us six minutes to get our foot on the ball no exaggeration we finally got a touch of it we started passing it around douglas louise bit of good footwork took somebody out of it plays it to john mcginn he's got all the time in the world on the left he's got all the walkings ahead of him making a run down the wing with all the space on the left hand side just roll it and they just send it after him what would actually young do just send it for for all the walkings to go running after and mcginn just hit it out of play just hit it out for a throw-in um Ezra Konza I know you're not a right back and we should probably come back to that <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know you can control the ball you can keep it in play you can pass it to somebody I've seen you do this loads on the right hand side just pass it straight out of play Emmy Martinez from a goal kick worst about this is that the fans were already just golden Aston Villa for how shit they were they were doing that big build up to Emmy Martinez kickouts to shout your shit ah and Martinez just drills it out into the stands. Um, three players, three finds, three times the ball's kicked out of play in one half of football. Yeah, and Emmy Martinez did it in the second half as well with his absolute speciality of trying to dink it out to the fullback, but he's just too big a beefy bollocks and he just clips it over their head every fucking time. And Matty Cash <laughs> is just standing there looking back at him. <laughs> So let's go to the first WhatsApp range. What is Gerard telling these losers about time wasting? And why the fuck are they listening? <laughs> 11 minutes, 11 minutes into the game, we get a free kick at right back against Fulham. And it's nil-nil. And we're time wasting. We're like almost got a yellow card for Ezra Conza with how long that took. I know that was our greatest mode to attack, those free kicks. Like, and I, and I genuinely mean that. that. That's not a joke. When we had a free kick around the halfway line, that was our best way of getting at Fulham. And this one was at right back. And Ezra Conza had to be warned by the referee to hurry the fuck up because it was time wasting. <laughs> yeah, well, Fulham's a tough place to go, Conan, especially when you've got a squad that's about three times better than them. But like, this is the thing. That this is this sums up Stephen Gerrard. I, I think I gave I gave out maybe three or four months ago about the fact that the only time he had ever spoken about football was the fact that he needed to tighten up the spaces between the lines for Aston Villa. That that was what he had seen from watching Aston Villa and from watching all the DVDs, that he was going to work on tightening up the spaces between the players and between the lines. And then ever since then, all he's ever talked about is the need to be a professional, the need to be tough, the need to be this, that, and the other, and none of it actually relates to the game of football. It's all just about being a bollocks, being clever, being smart. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> I, I just really do wonder, especially now at this stage when the run's been going the way it is, imagine tonight you're coming down to Fulham and we've already had the, the, the precursor to this week. This is the big week for Steven Gerrard. This is the one that's going to be turned around. I can it's insulting to think as well that if we had gotten some results against Fulham and Brentford, that, that that's the turnaround. You know, like all the rest of the evidence can now be discarded <laughs> because we've done so hard against Fulham. Um, but he comes into the changing room and remember we're playing Fulham and he says, all right, let's be smart here. Like we've got a free kick at right back. Fucking slow that thing down. What's everybody thinking when he's saying that? Surely, surely the more he said this as the year's gone on, Everybody's just lost a bit more respect for him, but 
they've lost a bit more respect for themselves as well, obviously. Yeah, they've lost respect for him and for themselves, I'm sure, undoubtedly. That will definitely happen, particularly when you're on a run of two wins in 15 or four in 22, whatever way you want to slice and dice it. But remember as well, the other great thing we constantly give out about is the fact that the team isn't set up, Colin. So <laughs> this might just genuinely have been the case that there were no fucking passes for Ezri Kanza. Maybe Ezri Kanza is just sick of the sight of Emmy Martinez preparing to control the ball that he's played back to him. That's the only place that Ezri Kanza ever gets to play the ball because he certainly doesn't ever have a midfielder shown for him to take it off him. <laughs> the second WhatsApp winch, the perimeter around that Fulham pitch is a fucking disgrace. <laughs> I, I don't just mean this about poor Tyrone Mings who had to run down that hill and then fling himself head first over the advertising hoardings. Just in general, like, what, what is that about? How, how could they not? This is a Premier League club and we see it often. Like, why can't teams just have that level out? It's a fucking disaster for throw-ins, for corners. It looks shit. It's dangerous. What is going on? Maybe they installed it one week whenever they were coming up against Stoke and they were worried about Rory to lapse long for wins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've obviously seen the Matty Cash throw-ins from, <laughs> from 21-22 season infamy. Uh, the third WhatsApp winch. <laughs> Stephen Gerrard is still favoured to be the next Liverpool manager. That's not true, is it? <laughs> it fucking is. Ahead of Pep Linders, ahead of your hero, Pasta Cogley up at Celtic. <laughs> ahead of Thomas Tuchel. So I think this is the one joy I'm taking now is I'm just, just you know, again, I, I did use those Liverpool fans I mentioned earlier as somebody to kick out at because I, they've got an affinity, a never-ending affinity with Steven Gerrard. So it was always nice to just say, you know, just got to shout when we were going really shout. What do you think of that? Put it on them, really. But um, now it's something that I can also use that punch bag again with just to say, good luck, enjoy it. It's your problem now. The bookies tell me he's favoured to take over from Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, and um, what when did Jurgen Klopp sign a contract recently? They... Yeah, an extra two years. Yeah. So he's there for another, what, three or four years? So in that period of time, they must be expecting Steven Gerrard to have a brain transplant <laughs> or or to get Michael Beale back on his coaching staff <laughs> <laughs> the last whatsapp wins not really a wins more of an observation but William plays for Fulham <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck did that happen I actually missed that but this is this is the really this is this is what I was getting at about Marco Silva being a good manager and getting the best out of his play. Like, William had to leave. He was ran out of the country. He wasn't running. He was walking out of the country. He was so fucking fat. <laughs> like, that's where his career ended up. He was hounded out by Arsenal. He was a disgrace. I don't think he scored in his last season. And he, he's back here and he's fucking dominating against Aston Villa. Andres Pereira was at Man United for eight years. He played 45 times. And then Scott McTominay has probably played 45 times last season. <laughs> this Fulham team isn't good. Breaking news, Liam. You and your fucking phone while I'm talking. 
here I am, refreshing Twitter, just waiting to be annoyed by this Villa interview that I was sure was going to drop. And I don't get it. I get asked the Villa Football Club. <laughs> Give it to me. Give it to me. Ask the Villa Football Club. Can confirm that head coach Steven Gerrard has left the club with immediate effect. Hey! <laughs> Statement reads, Aston Villa Football Club can confirm that head coach Steven Gerrard has left. That's exactly what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> so we know the first paragraph is the tweet. Yeah. Uh, second paragraph reads, a club spokesman said, we would like to thank Steven for his hard work, commitment, and wish him well for the future. Oh, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So we have the tweet, Aston Villa Football Club can confirm head coach Steven Gerrard left the club. And we've got a club spokesman, <laughs> not even Christian, not even his pal Christian, Christian <laughs> Perslow, A2. Um, I saw Ashley Priest tweeting saying uh, Nassef Sawiris was really upset. He was at the game, uh, not happy about what he saw. I could fucking imagine so. Um, but a club spokesman said, we would like to thank Stephen for his hard work commitment and wish him well for the future. Well, I mean, it's probably timely, isn't it? Because not only did we run <laughs> run out of things to say, there's only so many ways we could skin the Stephen Gerrard cat. And I feel like we had been, not, not like we weren't afraid to push that button, but we were sort of aware that it was going to get more time. So it was like, let's, let's see what we're going to see here. Let's think about this through his eyes, through the manager's eyes. And after a while, it was all the same. It was all the same stuff. And he was saying the same stuff. And... They've pulled him out of his misery. I, I did say just earlier on that I felt like he, <laughs> he he wanted to put out of his misery. He wanted that paycheck. And there it is. Yeah, he's gotten it. And now you can just focus on that Liverpool job that he's favoured for. <laughs> yeah. Like, and while I had never had any doubt that Wes and Nassif listened to the podcast, I didn't know they were somehow tapping into this app and listening to it live and the top <laughs> of the show obviously just went straight to their fucking heads they've had enough they can't listen to me fucking roll down the mic anymore they had to go and it sounds like as as much thought has gone into that fucking sacking statement as has gone into any of Stephen Gerrard's game plans <laughs> Christian will come out during the week and say that's on me <laughs> I, I need more from a club spokesman so, like, I don't know, like, is there anything else, is there anything new to say that we haven't said while analysing Aston Villa the whole time? I mean, do we get Michael Beelan? <laughs> <laughs> like, we all sort of know that it should have it should have been sacked. Like, we everybody knows why. We all know the reason. We've gone through them. We've all been frustrated by them. They've just taken the decision. They've probably, like, the annoying thing is they've probably taken it way later than they should have because he didn't need his evidence just mounting up those stats that he gave are scary like the 38 games that he's that he's had pathetic like it's a really bad record it's one of the worst managerial appointments that i can remember for a long time because i don't think that's putting it too strongly Ah, oh, no it definitely isn't not not with this squad i mean i know smith had Grealish as well but smith got 55 points one year i mean like you know this this has been really bad and it's a much improved squad as well. It, it was unforgivable the way we were playing and the results we were getting. They can't, those two things couldn't possibly go hand in hand. And just thinking about the last time we sacked the manager, we sacked Smith on the 7th of November and appointed Gerard on the 11th of November. Now, I know 
Perslow obviously had his fucking mobile phone number pretty handy, but <laughs> that would make you think that they're doing things whenever they think they've got someone lined up in the background. I hope that wasn't a one-off. I hope that wasn't a fucking mate's decision being made at that time. I hope that we've got a good manager lined up, and it's great that it's happened so soon with a couple of weeks before the World Cup and then the World Cup as well for whoever we get in to have a look at the players, at the squad and what they need to do. And then we're into January transfer window as well. Well, they just need to produce some magic. Like It's not hard for the manager to look at what the players need to do. They need to, <laughs> need to find more moments of quality and score goals. Can you've just picked up Steven Gerrard's dead body and started punching it in the face. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're talking about replacing Steven Gerrard. Um, I'm going to give you some names. I think I've got six names here. Bookie's favourites. And there's one that you definitely won't like. There's, there's one that we can rule out, I think, which is Michael Beale, 13-2. I think after what's happened at Wolves there, he's decided to stay on a QPR. He gave an eight-minute interview. Um, about his reason to stay there and later he's ambitious to get to the Premier League but he wants to get there with QPR so yeah fair play to him best of luck with that uh, favourite Fabian Delph already did that as well before <laughs> that would be that would be a power play that would be Lewis Figo stuff of Aston Villa now he came in and took it <laughs> and, and Wolves couldn't but um, Mauricio Pochettino 4-7 to seven. yes no Oh, Jesus, I would, I would take Pochettino. There's very, very few people in world football who, if you had asked me an hour ago who I would want, to, I, I don't think you would have been able to say someone associated with the sport of football who I wouldn't have taken. And Pochettino <laughs> would have been very high up the list of people who I would take. But it's mad now, isn't it? it just, now I'm just thinking, hmm. Why <laughs> did this, this whole world, the possibilities, has opened up to me? I'm thinking, hmm. Is Pochettino that good? I mean, he did continue to pick Deli Alley two years after he was a footballer. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Now. <laughs> now it's not relative to Stephen Gerrard. Exactly. <laughs> Five to one, Unai Emery. Yeah, I'd bite your hand off for Unai Emery. Yeah. Ten to one, Thomas Frank. Your hero, Thomas Frank? I would love Thomas Frank. Would you? Not, 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 not my preferred, no, but just of your... Well, again, maybe now that I've got the options. I don't, <laughs> I don't See, this is what I mean. This is how quickly we can turn to smug from just hopeless despair. <laughs> no hopers. We can just, in an instant, in a two-paragraph statement, turn to smug again. Like, is, is Unai Emery or Thomas Frank good enough for us? <laughs> You're willing to write off Pochettino? Like this is where we're at now. After after one statement, after a three 0 defeat at Fulham. <laughs> the 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 thing you would say about about all these managers as well is they will at least punish the players that are currently there for their part in the last year as well because they're gonna fucking put them onto a fitness regime that they wouldn't possibly believe could exist in professional football. And I'm delighted about that, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> 10 to 1 alongside Thomas Frank. A namesake, Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel's 10 to 1. Yeah, and Paddy Power have just come in with a with a good reason for it. He got the boot after winning the Champions League. He could be tempted to head back for revenge over his old employers. <laughs> That's right up my street, that. <laughs> a manager with something to prove. 
And he will be fucking proving something if he can get a tune out of these pack of cunts. Michael I'm just Bean. looking forward to being back at slagging off the players as well, Connor. Don't forget about that. That'll bring a whole new dimension to the podcast. I mean, it's a dimension that we had two seasons ago, but you know, it'll be fresher. Yeah, I still somehow don't think um, John McGinn or Ezra Conzo are going to get away with it in the Vimon meter, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that goes later on. Um, 13 to 2, Michael Beale talked about him there. And 12 to 1, sick favourite. And why I'm interested is you've already mentioned them. And I'm wondering now, did you mention them because you are interested? Sean Daichu. <laughs> no, I was given an example of somebody who I absolutely did not want to be at the football club. I don't know if that was clear in how I was speaking. <laughs> oh, it's exciting though, isn't it? It's exciting. It's class. It's brilliant. Yeah, look, that's all happened just very fresh. Literally just happened there now. It's a shame that it happened mid-podcast. But look, you got to get our unfiltered views both ways now. <laughs> you got to hear what we felt 20 minutes ago when we thought like, this is just going to carry on. We're going to be continued to be pummeled into the ground. And now you get to hear the giddiness that we have now with the prospect of a new manager. We'll take some time to think about it. Head of the Brentford game, we'll try and have a think about what we'd like to see not in a new manager but just fucking in this team what they'd like to change I think the last time we did a an episode of what Gerard needs to bin when he was coming into Aston Villa and maybe we can look at doing something like that as well maybe we'll uh, just wrap through the rest of this podcast as quickly as possible and I'll go catch up with my mate and join him for a few pints <laughs> yeah yeah so if you want to bear with us we'll just be back <laughs> in. We might as well finish out the Stephen Gerrard regime with respect and we'll go through everything he did wrong in this specific game and then, <laughs> and then we'll put it to bed. That's the only way we know how to put it to bed. We'll go through the awards categories. We'll see you there. Good evening. I wanted to speak directly to our supporters to confirm the transfer of our captain, Jack Greenlish. And now we've been gutted Organ donors for the rich. Boston's taking our kidneys. Yankees are taking our heart. And to explain the background to this move. It's an unfair game. We offered Jack a new contract to stay at the club. Like this is business as usual. It's not. We agreed to incorporate a so-called release clause into his contract. Billy, that's trouble. Billy, if I may, uh... He certainly has had his problems off the field. Jack finally decided that he would like to go to City. We're trying to solve the problem here, Billy. Not like this, you're not. You're not even looking at the problem. We have planned accordingly. We've got to think differently. It was never our intention to replace Jack with one footballer. Guys, we're still trying to replace Gian. I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Our strategy was to analyze and break down Jack's key attributes. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. What? Oh, well. His creativity, his assists, his goals. That's what we're looking for. And to find these qualities and others in three forward players. Three ball players, three ball players. And in doing so, have also reduced an over-dependency on one brilliant footballer. Add that up and you get... Emiliano Buendia, Leon Bailey, and Danny Ings. They truly are the future.
If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. I don't know what that means. Okay, let's start with the Rosenthal Award and we're going to start with Fulham's first five chances that they had before they scored their goal. <laughs> and I, I say five chances. These are five Rosenthal Award nominations. Five chances that they should have probably scored. Started off with Mitrovic setting up William. Remember Mitrovic's nutmeg Douglas Louise who was all too happy just to be like, ah. Oh. And Mitrovic went running across the edge of our box. Played it to the left to William. Hit a shit shot, really. Very early on, Martinez saved it with his feet. And then the Cordova Reed uh, crosses in for Mitrovic. Lovely Kevin De Bruyne esque cross around the corner. There he is, big Mitrovic. I think Konza did well. He might have got something on it. He had a good recovery anyway because Bednarek had just completely lost uh, Mitrovic. Like if, we had, if we had to start it with Matt Cash, that's probably a goal. That's nothing on Matt Cash. It's just a ball being floated into Mitrovic's forehead. And uh, he headed it over anyway after Kanza's intervention. Fulham had a corner. Uh, Pereira, remember, came out to the D, just floated straight out to the D, and Pereira volleyed it wide. Just, like, absolute screamer of a connection, but just wide. Tyrone Mings off the line. This <laughs> all before Fulham score. Tyrone Mings off the line. Like, it's, it's Mitrovic heads it down from the corner as well. And then a Pereira free kick. Martinez makes a save. Turns out he doesn't. Have to guess. He can just wait to see where the free kick goes, <laughs> and then he can save it. Yeah, I mean the big one was the the Mitrovic off the line from Mings. I mean it was a free header for Alexander Mitrovic, and it was from a corner as well. It's not like you know it was a bit of play where somebody's lost him. Mitrovic just walked around the back, and then started to run whenever the ball was coming onto his head. And at no point did anybody think that maybe Jesus we should. We should pick up one of the best headers of the ball in the league. It's in like it's it's mad that that was allowed to develop. I mean, I don't I don't particularly think that was that was anything to do with Austin McPhee or the coaching staff. That was just in game players being idiots. It's wake up! Like there's one big threat here that you have to be concerned with, and it's Alexander Mitrovic, and you know that from the moment they got promoted. And then Villa responded. Villa had two chances of their own. Weren't really chances, really. Bailey had a free kick, a deep free kick, one of those big chances that we had from, from far out the pitch, floated it in. Danny Ings had it over, obviously, and then Watkins had a shot straight at the keeper. And they were, they were raving about this in commentary as well, but just because <laughs> just because it was something they look at from a Villa point of view. And then it got back into the swing of things, and William cuts inside, has a shot, Martinez, good save to the bottom left. Yeah, I mean the the idea that the the Watkins shot was a was a chance was was laughable. I mean he's he's hit a shot kind of hard straight at a professional goalkeeper. I know it's Bert Leno, but you know it's it's still straight at him. Yeah, um, we did have a bit of a response after the goal as Rikonza decided to drive forward. He needs to do this more often when he is being asked to play it right back. He, he can do it. Um, like he can take somebody out with a drop of the shoulder and burst. And he played through Ings. Terrible offside line, in fairness, but Ings is onside and keeper makes a save and goes out for a corner. <laughs> this is shit. Like, these aren't chances, really. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, if you look at it, then Fulham then respond with that 5v3. Uh, William <laughs> plays it to... That, it's from that corner, I think, as well. William plays it to Cabano. Uh, shot is blocked or saved and then William goes in for the rebound which is blocked by Mings and then Big Mitrovic is going up for the second rebound and Ashley Young turns out Ashley Young is our best centre half as well as everything else (laughs) 
Yeah, not just how he managed to put Mitrovic off with a header inside the six-yard box, but before that as well. It was actually five on two before I think it was Konza that got back. And the way Young positions his body, the best pass that's available is the worst pass. And it has to go out to the left because Young has made the passes to the right, which are much better, much more central, look like they're not really on. Absolutely brilliant piece of defending from Max Young. Yeah. McGinn had a long shot. Leno does a Pickford again. Points it with both hands right in front of him. And the worst, he, he follows it up. He, he's trying to catch it. He's running out. He's jumping. And he's still trying to catch it like below head height. How has he gotten <laughs> into that position? Watkins wins it. Uh, Watkins gets blocked down. Like, this, this is where we're getting our chances from, really. The best chance of the night, obviously, once again, falls to Danny Ings, the winner of the Rossenthal Award. Um, Konza from the left-hand side. Great crossing. Ings will never have an easier chance. I, I mean that. He, he will not have an easier chance to score a goal. This ball from Kanza has direction. It has the pace. It's whipping right in on top of the goals. Ings has the angle. He's inside the six-yard box. He has space. He can see the ball the whole way. He even gets his head on it comfortably because there's nobody around him. And he somehow just sits it up for Leno. It was like Ollie Watkins just cushioning a header for a runner that never comes for him. You know, it was... <laughs> It was like that, and this ball had so much whip and venom and sat the lethal Danny Ings inside the six-yard box with the entire net to put the ball into, and he couldn't do it. Yeah, it's it's embarrassing, really. I mean, he's seen how Bert Leno has handled the has handled the walking shot, the John McGinn one as well. I mean, that's the spank from McGinn is fine, but Leno's behaves like fucking McGinn's launched a hornet's net at him from a fucking cannon. <laughs> Like, I mean, what what more can we expect really for someone who was ditched for Aaron Ramsdale so you have to know this Ings just fucking have a decent header of the ball in the on goal slightly to the left or right of that goalkeeper and it'll probably go in don't fucking do that yeah yeah Ings wins again like this is record stuff now it's unbelievable nobody has ever picked up a ward in such succession as, as Danny Ings is doing it's, it's madness the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. Um, Leon Bailey's touch. John McGinn, it's his best pass of the season, definitely. It was his only pass of the season, really, that I can remember. <laughs> it's, um, it's not just cross-field. He's actually put Leon Bailey in behind. It's gone from left to right, but over the last defender. And Bailey's touch just takes it out for a throw. <laughs> like, what, what more does this boy want? We just... Back it up. We were talking about you having a good game last day. You got brought off. Maybe to save your legs maybe you just weren't back from injury in time here you are again just just put together a second 60 minute performance and he can't do it uh the only other one was martinez had an actual ankle man moment as well when i say young played the ball back to him and martinez had to scoop it off his own line just heart and mouth stuff but uh, i don't know i think bailey wins maybe just because it was so annoying <laughs> <laughs> The Ashley Westwood, oh, he was playing award. We've got three nominations. Jacob Ramsey, sorry about that. <laughs> um, John McGinn and <laughs> the Donker again. He's come on. <laughs> <laughs> he's come on and I don't remember that he's on until I'm looking back at things afterwards. Do, do you know how bad Den Donker was? Whenever I saw Jacob Ramsey getting uh, hooked, I was like, what the fuck is he doing here? What sort of formation is this going to be? 
this is going to John McGinn in the middle on his own with fucking free strikers. I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how he was possibly going to get away with this. How, there is no way in the world that he could take off another could take off Jacob Ramsey because it's just John McGinn. What's Watkins going to play in midfield? But then Donker was on the pitch this whole time. And I just didn't <laughs> fucking notice at all. <laughs> yeah. And sorry, just on John McGinn as well. I mean, this has been going on too long, but maybe we all just need to get real here. Like we, we probably need to back off. We can't keep nominating him. This, this isn't John McGinn's fault. Like John McGinn, John McGinn is playing so badly that it makes the captaincy look even more ridiculous. But John McGinn is the captain of one of the biggest teams in the Premier League because he runs around and because he dressed like a five foot turkey. Like, <laughs> that's not his fault. Like he shouldn't be being relied upon. He shouldn't have had the captaincy thrust upon him just because Stephen Gerrard thought he was a bit of crack. And maybe McGinn knows this. Maybe he's actually trying to to smash this idea into our heads. Like, his performances aren't doing it. it. It just wasn't cutting through. Like, wasn't enough for anyone to understand that he's not that good. So we had to dress up like a fucking turkey and say, look, this is me. This is what I am. <laughs> good case for John McGinn to win the Ice of Westwood Award. You like them, we didn't take a 90th-minute penalty award. I mean... Gerard did warn us. He did tell us what to expect from this Fulham team. He said they've recruited well. They spent money to strengthen since they've come up. So you can't judge them like a newly promoted team. And I was like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> they went and strengthened the key areas and they have an experienced manager. Um, it was just like he said, Chelsea should have come and wiped the floor of us. And then we were going to Fulham on this week that was supposed to define him. And he was just saying, like, look, this isn't what you think. This isn't the film that you all think it is. This is a, a better side. Well, it's definitely a better coach side, anyway. Um, <laughs> and we can go through the other nominations, really. Like, I, th- I think Ramsey being the last man back for corners is a really strange one. I mean, Ramsey's not a particularly great defender, especially not as a last man back. And it's why, why are we curtailing Ramsey like that? Why do we have Ramsey sitting on the halfway line when we've got a corner? I have no. I assume Jacob Ramsey must be atrocious in the air, and he is fast, and he does nip the ball away from players a little bit. I I, I, I don't. I don't think it's the worst decision that Stephen Gerrard has made, but that's not exactly me going out on a limb saying that. I mean, you were saying like you know this is the big week that was that was going to define. This is the week that has defined him. This game has absolutely defined everything you need to know about Stephen Gerrard. This is. This is what this regime has become. It's an absolute shambles. It's a joke from start to finish. And it's spankings by teams who are shit being handed out. And the way he speaks sums up who he is as a manager as well. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I have the Donker coming on for rings when we're 2 0 down. <laughs> <laughs> and then they make that worse is that not long after. He- he puts a striker on anyway for Ramsey. So just like you're saying, what are we doing? It comes back to the sub thing as well. You know, does, it, does he realize that the amount of substitute windows is allowed in the second half of a game? You know, if he did, he would have just held. Like, did, did he need to rush the donker on when we're 2-0 down and bring off a striker? I, I, I think it feeds back into the idea that when he finally put Cameron Archer on, I, I think Gerard really does believe and just leave and everything until the 81st minute before going for it as he would say you know put all our attacking players on like 
that's that's what he does. It's like we're talking about no identity, no style of play and stuff like that. Getting the free kicks at the halfway line, lobbing and hoops on happens. Getting the odd set piece, lobbing and hoops on happens. Wait for the last ten minutes, including injury time, and then go for it if you have to. That's <laughs> that's that seems to be the future for this progressive young manager. <laughs> the Dendonker decision, it was like it was like shit, we're two 0 down and a man down. I better I better get another midfielder on here. This is ridiculous. And then whatever it was, ten minutes later, it's like, oh my god, we're two 0 down. I better get a centre forward on here. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And then once again, after he gets a centre forward on, he's just screwed himself out of another sub because the way he's played it all. Um yeah, so like going forward, just learn that subs rule as well, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> the Vimin meter. Uh Anybody going up? <laughs> Ashley Young. <laughs> I I would love to know how well is Ashley Young actually playing, or is Ashley Young just playing at his level and everyone else is playing absolutely atrociously? Ashley Young has seen and heard too much at this stage of his career to bother being affected by Steven Gerrard. So he's just gone out and performing at his level what he needs to do on the pitch, ignoring his manager's instructions, yeah. and everyone else is being messed up entirely by this. Maybe Ashley Young isn't playing that well. Maybe it's all just relative. Yeah, this is a really good point. Like that that's such a good point because everybody else is playing so bad and the team are playing so bad. Like if remember we my target just looked like the weak link for so long when things were going well for Villa. It was so obvious. It was, there was a while it was him and Trezeguet and then we started <laughs> we sort of papered over that. And it was just when things are going well, it's so easy to point out who the guy is that's not going as well, or who the guy is fucking things up when everything else is going well. If you took that mad target into this team and kept him at that same level, would he also be standing shoulder to shoulder with Ashley Young? Because, <laughs> because everybody else is so bad. Like we're praising Ashley Young every week, but we're not winning many matches. You know? and that's in spite of Ashley Young. He's the only one to get the cans, look himself in the mirror afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they. Even if you think of somebody like Kanza, how long it's taken him to get back to anything like, like the player he is. I mean, I say that as if he wasn't fucking ragdolled by Willian in the first half. In the first half, I guess like losing a fight to a fucking blind one-armed squirrel. Like what are you, Kanza, you're miles bigger than him. Why is Willian throwing you to the ground? Get a grip, pal. But his whole career over the last year has just completely fallen off a cliff. And I remember whenever. Whenever Smith was sacked, I, I, it was Konza and Cash were the only two players to put anything out in their social media accounts. And I said at the time, that's because they're the only two players who can put anything out in their social media accounts because they're the only two players who have been in any way good during that season. But since then, Jesus Christ, that guy has crashed and he's gotten back the last couple of weeks, but what a fucking disaster he's had. And you can just you could pick any player in the Aston Villa squad and say the same thing about them. Yeah. He, um, I have him going down actually, just because he got him roasting tonight off William. No, he's not a right back, but he is a defender, and <laughs> it was like the Douglas Louise thing. You just put him into a slightly different position in midfield, and he just does things that he that he shouldn't do, and he wouldn't do in the other position. And 
the way he was backing off and afraid to engage with William. It was strange. If, if William was coming at him like that at centre half, I feel like he would deal with it a lot easier. He's got quick feet. He is quick. Weird carry on. He made William look like a hero, to be honest. He made me realise that William plays for Fulham. <laughs> Uh, going down, like, yeah, we'll, we, we could probably go through them all. Maybe no point, really. Danny Ings fucking missing many chances. And I just, I've probably listened too often over the last week about Ings being, you know, the lethal striker and you need to play him more often. Um, going down Wolves, I suppose, because they can't even attract Villa's assistant manager from four months ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not good. I mean, you think it's going badly for Villa? I mean, there we go. <laughs> Wolves can't get Michael Beal. Yeah, but are we going to be fucking saved from relegation again because the three teams below us are just that bad? Like the first year we stayed up when we finished with 35 points, but the other teams were just fucking dreadful. Yeah, well, I mean, you say that. I think the way it's working out at the minute is that we can we can stay up on this form, really. Like we're just ahead of Wolves on goal difference. We're just ahead of Leicester by a point. We're three points ahead of Nottingham Forest. I mean, when it comes down to the midlands like we are <laughs> the best of the worst like it's this is a who's who of shit from the middle country the bottom four of the league and aston villa are ahead with nine points from 11 that's pitiful really <laughs> all right let's go to questions we can't answer but probably will before we close this chapter so eddie howe is okay with a murderous dictatorship but he draws a line at jürgen klopp <laughs> draws a line at jürgen klopp shouting at a, at a linesman. <laughs> Unbelievable. He, he had the grass neck. Eddie Howe, you know, the, the guy who loves to talk about him and the club being controlled and being measured. Had the brass neck to come out and, and, and talk about Klopp's behaviour. Like, no, somebody asked you that. Don't get involved in that. Like, you, you know what's happening there. You're just going to pour petrol on a flame that you don't need to do. Like, he's, he's just engaged. Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool now, really. He talked about his behaviour, his demeanour, more so through the prism of Eddie Howe and the, and the calmness and the and the, what a bastion of integrity this man is. Like He would never do that stuff because he's aware that millions of children are watching from around the world. Eddie Howe also has Jason Tindall standing beside him every single game. Jason Tindall, like, this guy is the most brash, most confrontational, most aggressive, most... Most aggressive, most annoying player. Most annoying player. He's not even a player. This is it. He's the most annoying touchline person I've seen in the Premier League. He, he is like, he's like an audience member at a comedy club who actually thinks they're going to get a bigger laugh from the crowd than the comedian will. Like this assistant manager running around the sideline thinking anybody gives a fuck about him. That's Jason Tindall. That's who Eddie Howe employs. That's his right hand man. He is doing it every single game. And he f- was stupid enough to fall into talking about Jurgen Klopp shouting at the linesman as well. Yeah, I, mean, I thought it was a. It was so strange. Like, what, what a what an odd response. Like, what do you think of this guy? Well, I'm actually a saint, and I and I would never do that. It was bizarre the way he was speaking. It was like, it was like he was speaking, and I and as you know, I have no respect for your pals in the media. It was like he was speaking to a bunch of eight year olds, and he was trying to. He was trying to tell them how you should behave in a certain situation, you know, as in people in people in these positions shouldn't 
shouldn't be screaming in people's faces. You should understand that you're being looked at by other people. But he was saying it in the first person. He was talking about himself. He was saying, I don't do these things. I, I'm i this nice guy. I know my responsibility. It's mad. It's a mad, bizarre way of speaking. And it really made me question whether or not he is the perfect frontman for this sports washing enterprise that they've got going. Initially, I thought youngish English manager, you know, He's, he's perfect for this. He plays a bit of aggressive football. Mm. Brilliant. This is exactly what this what this regime needs. But then I heard him speaking. I'm like, Jesus, maybe Eddie Howe is a bit fucking daft. Yeah. I think he is. I, I really do think he is. It got annoying, disrespectful, you know, uh, any word you want, really. But it, it was ridiculous after a while when he just kept talking about, I'm just here to talk about football. I'm just here to talk about football. That's all I'm concerned about. Um obviously not anymore like you've opened up the gates there like you're talking about your money you're, you're trying to pretend to people that you're not spending a lot of money like i say you're doing everything in a controlled measured manner spent more than anybody in the last two windows more than anybody net spend wise newcastle united from a relegation fodder when you took over to spending outspending man city liverpool man united anybody newcastle are not doing that um this guy's trying to slip under the fence that they're doing everything the right way because because they're renovating their training ground as well because <laughs> if this is some hardship that they don't have their training ground finished our brand spanking new training ground um yeah so he's not only willfully ignoring things that are going on um you know for 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 the job that he wants to keep doing and keep getting paid for but he's also getting close to being an apologist for it now as well yeah and the way his defense as well of uh of the spending you know we're not just going out throwing money around we're being very methodical about it. it's like you're methodically spending 300 million quid and 15 players you've methodically bought a brand new back four midfield and center forward line like this, that's what we're talking about. I don't care if you've chosen good players and my target. Well, what I'm saying is that you've that you're spending a fucking fortune out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Are you ready for your victory lap about my target? Yes, you did predict that he would have lost his place by Christmas at Newcastle, and he's already lost his place to Dan Byrne at Newcastle. <laughs> just, uh, like, just to clarify that's his left back place to Dan Byrne <laughs> yeah I mean there's there's some things you should be proud of some calls you make that you should be proud of as well this this isn't particularly one of them I mean this was as obvious as the nose in your face it was no way that he was going to survive in that team <laughs> alright we'll leave it there we'll bounce on now to Brentford at the weekend we'll have someone new to talk about that'll be good we might have someone different to get our teeth into maybe a bit of optimism who knows but i already have the answer to your question liam and it's 25th of february 2023 <laughs> what's the question you wonder <laughs> when do we play frank lampard's everton again <laughs> so if we can all just hold tight until then we'll be getting our three points at that stage and maybe that'll be enough to keep us above wolves leicester and the Hutton forest who knows anyway see you at the weekend Get on. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.